You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Tuesday, day after the Pelicans drop a pretty rough game, 134-123 to the Golden State Warriors. The score is not indicative of the way these two teams played. We're going to spend the first two segments on this game. We've got some time. Let's really kind of break them down and see what kind of went on here. Then we're going to talk about coaching in the third segment. Yes, we need to. If you're hoping I'm going to come in and just crush Gentry, you're not going to like the third segment. Turn the show off after the first two. Or we can have maybe a little bit of a better talk about it and kind of what's going on with this team. So let's dive into everything in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So it was a pretty ugly loss for your New Orleans Pelicans on Monday night, the second game of the season at the Smoothie King Center, falling 134-123, but the score was not quite indicative of an 11-point loss. This team played significantly worse than that, and at one point, the Golden State Warriors were up to a 29-point lead, almost 30 points right there, putting up over 20 on the Pelicans in the first half, or going up over 20 on the Pelicans in the first half, and it was basically over. It was all she wrote. The Pelicans looked disjointed in this one didn't do anything they wanted and yes they went on a little bit of a run late in the fourth with some of the backups in there but it was just kind of already over and Golden State wasn't really worried too much about it they basically just let the Pelicans play right into their hands this is a Golden State team that was 0-2 coming in so they were going to come in a little bit angrier maybe with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder in this one But they hadn't looked good in their first two losses. They looked bad. They got blown out by the Clippers at home. A wire-to-wire win for the uh, Clippers on the road at the opening of of Chase Center, whatever it's called, Chase Arena for the Warriors. And then going on the road to Oklahoma City and getting trounced by the Thunder, a team that we don't think is that good. And then on the second night of a back-to-back when they were uh, underdogs by four points, came out and just smacked New Orleans. Kind of unexpectedly, and then as you kind of watch this game go on, you're like, yeah, Golden State kind of knew what they were doing here, and the Pelicans just played again right into all of that. So the score was just 11 points, not nearly as close as this. New Orleans, you know, didn't get any help from the start. They were without Drew Holiday. Then right before tip-off, it was announced that Derek Favors wouldn't be starting. They're still down Zion. That's three starters right there. That's going to hurt you. However, when you kind of watch this game, I don't know if even any of those three guys would have made a huge, huge difference. Maybe Drew Holiday, because Steph Curry had a pretty good game in this one. 26 points on the night, 9 of 17 shooting, 4 of 10 from deep, finished with 11 assists. Slowing him down with Drew Holiday would have been a really good thing, because in the pick and roll, they attacked New Orleans. Steph Curry and Draymond Green, Draymond Green starting at center, which was a bit of a uh, change for the Warriors, and a very good move. 
the pick and roll, when Draymond Green would set a screen for Curry, New Orleans tried to trap and double Curry off of that, leaving Draymond Green the easy roll just down the middle of the lane to score a basket after Curry hit him. This happened a lot, particularly in the first half. The pick and roll defense was absolutely dreadful. The defense in general was dreadful. But the pick and roll defense, New Orleans, had a strategy which was to trap Curry, and it just didn't work and he ate them alive and they kept doing it and that's where if you want to point to coaching maybe they needed to make some adjustments but with Drew Holiday in there maybe you don't have to trap Curry nearly as much as they did in this game which means they can kind of stick on the roll man a little bit more whether it was Draymond Green or someone else and at times it was other guys and that probably helps them out a little bit and slows down that pick and roll attack that just killed Killed, killed, killed New Orleans. And when they just decided to switch and you put a big on Steph Curry, well, that's a situation he wants. And he beat a guy like Jackson Hayes and a couple others for shots or going to the rim a couple of times. And, well, New Orleans was basically just cooked at that point. It's kind of a pick-your-poison situation. You know, what, what are you supposed to do the way I described it? How would you defend it? Probably not much different than the Pelicans did when they finally made adjustments late in the game, more in the third quarter rather than the first half. But even then, you get a big on him, on Steph Curry, he's probably going to win that battle. And that was just kind of the way it went for New Orleans. Again, they didn't do anything they wanted. Defensively, though, is really where this all jumped out at you. And we're not going to kind of go like I did the recap the other night. I want to do this one a little bit differently, looking at the defense first here, because it was rough. So it was the pick and roll situations that New Orleans just got eaten alive on. But it was also just cuts and anything that was off ball. The one-on-one defense was okay. It's been okay all year long. They have good on-ball, one-on-one defenders. If a team's trying to isolate you, I feel confident New Orleans can probably shut that down. It's everything else. It's once the guy starts to do that one-on-one drive, that attack, that move, that someone cuts back door, and Golden State is known for a lot of off-ball movement, that the Pelicans really get hurt. There is a significant lack of defensive awareness out there. And maybe that would have been a little bit more helpful to have a guy like um, Derek Favors down low, who kind of has all that, but I wouldn't say he's been amazing so far this year uh, defensively. And But you know what? He would have been better than Jalil Okafor, who started in his place, who looked just bad in this one. The other area the defense really got hurt was defensive rebounding. We've talked about this. We talked about this going into the year before the season started, that defensive rebounding was going to be an issue. It really, really was in this game last night. The Warriors put up 30-second chance points. They did that on 19, 19 offensive rebounds. That's horrible. You can't do it. Now, New Orleans is playing kind of small here. They started Jaleel Okafor, who only played 12 minutes in this one. Brandon Ingram at the four. He rebounded okay, grabbing 10, but no one else touched double digits in this one. Kenrich Williams chipped in six. Uh, and that's your second highest guy. Then Okafor with five. Josh Hart did what he could with four. But no one really stepped up. Jackson Hayes, who got a significant run in this game at the center position because of the ineffectiveness of Jalil Okafor, only grabbed a total of three rebounds, two of them defensive. In 24 minutes. Yeah, you're going to lose if that's the case. You're going to give up a lot of second-chance points if that's the case. And they just couldn't end possessions for the Golden State Warriors. 30-second-chance points in a game that you win by 11. That's not going to get it done. Compared to 13 for New Orleans, you can do the difference there too. It's 17 points. 
That's not going to get it done. They also couldn't really get into their offense because of that. We'll talk more about that in the next segment, though. Let's keep looking at the defense. But the defensive rebounding really, really hurt this team. And again, the lack of awareness played into that, but also so did a lack of hustle. You saw it. Guys like Okafor were not fighting for defensive boards in this one at all. And I think a theme and a complaint I've seen right off the bat after this game ended was this team didn't have a ton of fight in it, at least early on. Finally, Nikhil Alexander-Walker got going a little bit in the second half late. So did Jackson Hayes, and they were playing hard because they're rookies. They want to. But from the starters, the established vets, they looked rough in this one. Like They just didn't care or just didn't want to do it or what have you. It was an off night for basically all of those guys. And it's the first time we can say that this season, that we didn't see that fight from him. But it's kind of disappointing, considering they're supposed to be a young, hungry team, won't bow down. They bowed down tonight. There's really no other way to put it. So we'll touch on the offense and some of the good from tonight as well, last night as well. There was a lot of it, but before we do that, today's show brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at checkout. So offensively, the Pelicans were pretty rough too. Yes, they put up 123 points. That comes with a 44-point fourth quarter as they tried to maybe make a comeback, but I don't think you could really call it that because they were so far out of this one anyway. And Golden State was kind of just not carrying at that point. But the Pelicans got down 20 early. Part of it was on the defense, but they did have... 50, 55 points at halftime. It's not bad. Not great when you're also giving up 73, whatever it was. Um, but they struggled in this one. There's really no other way to put it. Like Brandon Ingram had a good game. Good. That's the way you want to put it. Not amazing, but pretty good. 27 points in 31 minutes on 10 of 23 shooting. Four of nine from deep. Got to the line five times. Hit three of them. 10 rebounds, six assists. He played point Ingram for a while and looked good when the offense just was letting him do his thing because no one else could do anything else. And he manufactured open looks for others with it. A lot of those open looks weren't hit. And New Orleans took in this one a ton of threes, 47 of them. Rarely are you going to see a team outshoot the Golden State Warriors from deep, or at least the Golden State Warriors of old. This is certainly not the same type of Golden State team. But this is compared to 35 for just Golden State. New Orleans, though, only hit 15 of them. That's 32%. That's going to hurt. J.J. Redick, in particular, was kind of rough, going one of nine from deep. That's not going to happen all the time. And some of those looks were really not great ones, and he worked really hard and just couldn't get anything He's not used to working that hard to get open three-pointers. He wasn't great, though, in this one. It's just kind of off. Lonzo Ball took six, including some of those James Harden-esque step-backs that he needs to stop doing. Yes, he needs to. And overall, just didn't help this team with all of that. The lack of shooting with the offense already struggling. Frank Jackson was one of five from deep. Nikhil Alexander-Walker hit two, I think, in the fourth quarter, but was 0 for two before that. They just were rough. But Point Ingram was cooking a little bit. He did some good work. The uh, six assists from him uh, were excellent. He's probably the best Pelicans uh, offensive player on the night. And the rest of the team just really 
struggled. There's no, again, no other way to put it. This was just an off night. Um, Kenrich Williams, when he's your third leading scorer in this, and some of the, the starters got benched kind of early because this one got out of hand. Uh, and also because, frankly, you're missing uh, Drew Holiday and Derek Favors. But when Kenrich is your third leading scorer, something's probably gone wrong here, and you're just not having the kind of night you want to uh, have. But offensively, they struggled for a lot of reasons, not only because of the, the poor three-point shooting. That falls in line with what they want to do. They want to be taking 40-plus three-pointers per game, even if they're missing because it means you're getting early offense. And we'll really take a look at the pace of this team and is that number accurate? What does it mean? What's going on offensively? How are they playing? Either later this week or next, there's a lot to talk about this week on the show. And I talked about it a little bit last week, too. They want to be taking those threes because it likely means that they're open and early on in the shot clock, meaning you're increasing the pace and you'll get another possession even if you miss. And they trust that they'll be able to shoot above average. And overall, their half-court offense, which is what they've been playing for the majority this year, has looked pretty good. It didn't tonight, though, and that's really where this is a bit of a concern. The Golden State Warriors give up a ton of points in the paint, a ton of looks at the rim, and New Orleans just couldn't do it. They didn't attack, they couldn't attack, and when they tried to attack, they ran into a one-on-one defensive situation and turned the ball over or were turned away and had to take a bad shot, which led to an easy rebound for Golden State. The way to beat this team was not to shoot more threes than them, but it was to get into the paint, score, and drive and attack that way. But they opened up the game running a bunch of post-ups for Jalil Okafor. He's a good offensive player-ish, but he's not going to punish a team with post-ups. You don't want to be running post-ups if you're you're this team. We've been making fun of the Lakers for their three games for running so many post-ups. It's not outdated in the modern NBA, but it's not an effective efficient, effective shot when you could be doing something else. And that's kind of the issue. The Pelicans were just almost unable to do that other stuff else. If you look at their shot charts, particularly in the first half, in the first quarter, they were rough. They were 9 of 25 from the field in the first quarter, but there was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 of those shots were not good looks. If you're taking a long mid-ranger in the paint, say around the free throw line, that's Not a good take. You don't want to be doing that. You want to try and either take a three or get a little bit closer to the basket. It's longer than maybe a contested mid-range two that's outside of the paint, certainly. But that points in the paint number can be a little bit tricky at times, too, because if you're just taking 10-foot twos, no, that's not the best shot. Those percentages are nearly as bad across the board as almost other mid-rangers that are further away, meaning you're missing them. If they're open, take them, certainly. But if you're having to work really hard, like Brandon Ingram was at times, take that, it's not going to work. So New Orleans wasn't able to just drive and attack and get into the paint and score that way. And you kind of see this with with some of the guys, particularly in Lonzo Ball. He took 10 total shots. Six of them were threes, though. He's not being nearly as aggressive that you need him to be. And that's a bit of a problem. He only took two total shots at the rim. Six threes, two shots at the rim, and then two long mid-rangers. That's not what you want him to do. We've talked about how he doesn't drive and doesn't attack enough, and they need him to, to create for others that way and to bend and break a defense. And New Orleans was not able to do that against the Golden State Warriors last night. This is a team you should have been driving and attacking. 
and they just didn't, or they weren't able to, maybe it's not that they didn't, they certainly tried at times, but they really weren't able to get it going. And they settled for far too many mid range shots, different things like that, which isn't going to be great. One of the guys who did do it was Frank Jackson, who just kind of had an off shooting night overall in this one. He finished four of 11 from the field, one of five from deep, finished with three assists, three, uh, two rebounds and nine points. He at least was driving and attacking. And that's kind of what you wanted to see. And at this point, Golden State just dared people to attack. That was part of the thing, and it's part of the reason why New Orleans took 45 threes. The Golden State Warriors wanted him to shoot those threes because they knew that if they got attacked by driving, they were going to get burnt and could lose this game. So they packed the paint and dared you to drive and go into that. New Orleans was like, nah, we'll shoot threes, and they just had an off-shooting night. They were a little bit hotter. Maybe this is a bit of a different game, but things were so bad defensively, I don't know about that. Nikhil Alexander-Walker in this one, bit of a mixed bag too. He finished with 15 points on the night, 6 of 11 from the field, 2 of 4 from deep. 9 assists though, 4 rebounds. That at least looked good, but he struggles driving. You can see it now that it's not preseason. He's struggling. He tried to, but still got forced out of there a little bit too often or was unable to finish. He ended up taking of his, what did I say, he had 11 shots in this one I think. 3 of them were long mid-rangers. Like, nah, you don't want to be doing that. And it led to New Orleans really struggling offensively. They just couldn't do what they wanted in this game. The threes were there, yeah. But when it's by guys like Lonzo Ball who are taking a significant number of them, when J.J. Reddick's having an off game, Kenrich Williams took six threes. He hit three of them. That ended up being good. Do you want him taking six threes, though? I mean, maybe. Maybe you do. But I don't know if that's what New Orleans is trying to do other than just a sheer number of threes and volume and hope that they go in. And they just couldn't do what they wanted. However, a bright spot for New Orleans in this one certainly was Jackson Hayes, who got to see significant minutes on the night. He finished the night with 19 points in his NBA debut, 9 of 11 from the field, by the way. He did launch a three, but that was an end of quarter three or period three, I think end of the uh, second, uh, but only finished with three rebounds. He could get the ball down low. They could do some things. They found him on the pick and roll. Frank had a really nice alley-oop lob for him. He had a putback dunk too. Showed he can play and bang down low against a weaker post team, a weaker big team. I don't know if that's going to work against other NBA teams. It was nice just to have some highlights from the dude and show how springy he is, the energy he had. But man, his first possession out there on the court, he was lost. And it was on offense. He had no idea where to go or what to do. And you could see it. It's okay, though. It's his first NBA action. We're not going to hold it against him that much. Defensively, also lost. Again, part of it was the Pelican strategy. They wanted to trap. They wanted to kind of keep Steph Curry away from the basket and from shooting, but to let him get burnt otherwise. Draymond Green, again, in this one, was just outstanding. He finished, by the way, 16 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists on the night. Just did whatever it was that he wanted. They couldn't stop him, whether it was him being the role man, whether it him being the ball handler, and just let the Warriors do what they want to do in this one. Damian Lee, by the way, in 28 minutes. Have you ever heard of that guy? He's actually married to Steph Curry's sister. I knew he was. Um, I didn't know he was this good, though. 23 points, 11 rebounds. Damian Lee. Again, you heard of him? No, probably not. 23 points, 11 rebounds. Shows you how bad New Orleans was defensively and just played, again, everything they did. Offensively, defensively, played right into what the Golden State Warriors wanted to do.
So we do need to talk about Gentry coming up here in just a second. Probably not in the way you think we're going to. I'm not going to just kill him here, but I'll explain what I mean and my thinking on him as the head coach in just a moment. Before we do that, though, please subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. Here Monday through Friday, breaking down every single thing you want to know about this team breaking down games in depth like we just did two segments on this. If you really want to know what happened in the game the night before, you've got to tune into Locked On Pelicans. If you want to know about all the biggest topics, who's playing well, who isn't playing well, which is more of the theme, we've got it right here. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Please leave a five-star review. It takes 30 seconds. It's actually really, really important for the podcast and really does help. I don't ask you guys for much and you get five podcasts at least a week. Just give me a five-star review. Leave a comment in there too. It takes you 30 seconds. So Locked On Pelicans, wherever you get your podcasts from. All right, let's do this. Let's talk about Alvin Gentry. Immediately, even during the game and immediately after the game, people are basically calling for him to be fired, saying they're worried about him, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I, look, I get it. You know, it's, it's easy to kind of blame the coach for a lot of the failings of a very young team and... Uh, the, the issues that they're having, you know, defensively, the strategy didn't really work. I don't know if that's the strategy so much as the players or missing some of the players and all of that. So I get where everyone's coming from. And look, it's not my job here. Like I, I look at my role as just talk about the team and give my opinions on it. That's literally what I get paid to do. So I'm not going to tell you you're right or wrong for wanting to see him fired or any of the stuff like that. Like you go ahead and feel and think about this team however you want. I am not the person that should be telling you different or anything like that. I want to make that very clear. I'm just a little confused about some of the outcry about it, and you guys can help me understand it, and I threw this out on Twitter. You know, uh, what What are people worried about? This was a team that was going to be borderline playoffs anyway, so yes, they're 0-3, staring 0-4 in the face. So is it you're worried about them not making the playoffs? Because they were borderline to do that anyway, and is that more of an expectation thing? And part of it's on the Pelicans too, I think. They really made it seem like this is not going to be just a regular rebuild David Griffin's line was, we're out here to kick people's asses. Don't say that if you're really going to kind of go through this, this learning process and experimenting phase and all of that, which they are very clearly doing. So I think some of this with Gentry has to do with the expectations the team set for themselves too. But look, there's a lot that goes into coaching and it is something that is incredibly, incredibly difficult to judge. Yes, you'd like rotations and different things like that to be better. You'd like to maybe see more aggression in the team, not quite quit on a coach or quit in a game like we saw some of the guys do last night. I just don't know if it's fair to throw that on Gentry. And I don't know if you were to replace Gentry with a different coach in last night's game, if the end result is going to be much different, I think. You know, it's been now three games. We've seen a lack of aggression from Lonzo Ball. Is that a Lonzo thing? Is that a coach's thing? They they might be coaching him to do that. They might not be, or they might be coaching him to attack. They might not be too. But also, you know, it's not the coach out there on the court executing. It's the players or the lack of execution by the players. So I think it's tough to really kind of try and pin it on one thing. Part of it is just these guys don't have court awareness because they're so young. I don't know if that's a gentry problem or if it's a player problem or probably more likely 
a mix of both. So I'm not going to come here and kill Gentry on this and be like, dude needs to be fired or he's the problem. I also don't think he doesn't have any share of the blame either. The rotations have definitely been an issue. And if you're running a scheme, like I said, where you trap Steph Curry in the first half and he eats you alive with Draymond Green in the pick and roll, maybe you need to start stop trapping him. But they did that. And then they did switches. And then you saw Jackson Hayes defending Steph Curry one-on-one. Curry did a little shake-and-bake step-back three. It ended up being called the two because he had his foot on the line. But hits it over him because Jackson Hayes cannot, cannot defend a guy like Steph Curry. So you do try and mend both of those coaching philosophies here. But you don't have the players that can do that right now. Jackson Hayes, that was his first minutes in the NBA. He's not going to be like, oh, I switch here, I don't switch here. They're just going to say, you either switch or you don't switch or you trap, or whatever it is. He's not in that place to do it, so part of it's the players too. So it's tough to evaluate Gentry, to uh, figure out what level of blame he has all of this, and he has a ton. He'll be the first person to say it. I just don't think it's as simple as being like, this dude needs to go. Not to say that he shouldn't necessarily. I'm just not going to say that, at least not now. I might eventually. Um, But I'm not going to tell you guys not to say it either. You're allowed to feel however you want. I just look at this and go, okay, you know, what are we worrying about right now? Missing the playoffs? Okay, yeah, definitely get it. But it doesn't mean it's a wasted season if you miss the playoffs. I think this is one of those things where to really evaluate Gentry, you've got to wait until the end of the year. Is this team better than they were to start the year? Gentry's going to have a big hand in that. So will it be these young guys just getting better with a little bit more experience? So it's again, it's not all on him, good or bad. It's a mix of everything. It's just like you can hear it in my voice here and the things I'm saying. It's tough. It's tough to evaluate coaches. I kind of look at this stuff last night. I don't think Gentry would have made a difference being there or not being there. The team that was out there was going to play like that. Golden State knew what they wanted to do, forced New Orleans into that. And when New Orleans did try and make adjustments, it didn't really work. You know, if Gold State's going to give you wide open threes or give J.J. Redick some open threes, you're going to let him take them. You're not going to assume he's going to go one of nine. And overall, they shot not horribly when you factor when you get rid of his uh, offensive woes in this game. They were pretty good from three then. It's just kind of one of those things. So I, overall, I don't think it's him. I don't think it's not him either. I think it's just... We can't really render judgment on Alvin Gentry till the end of the season. Oh, the other thing I did want to say with this before I wrap up the show here, and I was about to, is also he's not getting fired this year. He has got the ultimate vote of confidence from ownership, more importantly, from David Griffin. He's not getting fired. Your calls for it aren't going to get him fired no matter what. He's going to be here all year. He's probably going to be here next year too, even if they're horrible this year. They're trying to think long-term. Again, improve by the end of the year. If they're doing that, they will certainly keep him. It would take, I don't even know what it would take to get him fired. They gave him a new contract. They you know, picked up his option, all of that stuff. He's here for a while. You might hate him, but complaining about him getting fired, probably not going to do anything. If you want to, go ahead. It is your life. But I don't think it's going to do much. I think you're going to see Alvin Gentry not just this season, but next season as well. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Leave a five-star review with a comment. It really does help. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.